0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Provincial Pulse Specialist Dennis Lang. Also, the President of Keystone Agricultural Producers, Bill Campbell, will stop by. And up first in today's country comment, we'll take a look at this week's Manitoba Crop Report. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us today on the program is Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture to take a look at this week's crop report.
1: We did see large amounts of rainfall uh, east of the Red River into southeastern Manitoba. Areas between Gardenton and Vida and then eastward towards Mendocino seem to have the most. Uh, our weather stations reported up to 151 millimeters at Gardenton. However, we're receiving anecdotal reports of over 250 millimetres at uh, South of Vita.
0: What impact is that going to have on crops in those areas?
1: In those areas, it's not looking very positive right now. Uh, crops that were in the ground will likely drown out. Uh, crops that were not seeded will not get seeded. Uh, there may be opportunity for some July seeded green feed to go into those areas to supplement pasture uh, shortages, which may also suffer from excess water right now.
0: But what about the rest of the province? Overall, throughout the rest of the province, uh,
1: the southern western conditions have been uh, recently replenished by the rains we received much of this last weekend. Most parts of the province received uh, close to an inch, with some exceptions in the far northwest and uh, Lake Manitoba Narrows. Uh, Right now, crop seeding progress is about 96% complete. There is just pockets in the southwest, and then a couple uh, reseed locations throughout the province where that is still being uh, done.
0: And we've uh, had some pretty high winds over the last week or so. Um, What impact has that had? Those high winds have really uh, hurt and
1: delayed in-crop herbicide applications. So spraying operations haven't been as timely as they would have liked to have been. In addition, uh, loose and dry topsoil from the previous week was readily picked up and moved off site by those high winds. So we were seeing some significant wind damage in corn, soybeans, and some canola fields. Uh, the damage doesn't seem to be too severe in most locations, but there are occasional spots where reseeding might occur.
0: Now the crops that uh, that are coming up, how are they looking? The crops
1: that are in the ground and are emerging are looking fairly well. There is certainly some damage from seed pipe fertilizer in a narrow trench where compacted sidewalls didn't allow root development to occur, uh, as well as wet spots where, where the crop might have drowned out or, or had struggled to emerge. Those pounding rains from a week ago did cause some crusting in some areas where emerging crops were struggling to come through. Uh, however, cereal crops do tend to look better than oil seed crops, and, and they are putting on some new growth. Now, with the rainfall that was um, not drowning everything further east across the rest of the province, um, that rain did soften up the soil surface, and, and crops have emerged fairly well for the most part.
0: Any uh, insect or uh, disease concerns at this point?
1: Uh, the Fusarium risk maps are going to be starting in day now. So, we're expecting that uh, producer spray for Fusarium in uh, winter cereals. We, we want to take advantage of those resources. Uh, as for insects, flea beetles are still a test of concern. As we have late seeded crops, uh, those canola plants that are emerging now are emerging right into the midst of flea beetle feeding. So, we just want to make sure that scouting is, is occurring and producers are aware that. The economic and action injury thresholds are 25% defoliation. Until that reach that point, there's um, the economic benefit of spraying to control free beetles isn't there. So just watch those thresholds and uh, pay attention to those flea beetle populations if they're in your field.
0: That was Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture discussing this week's crop report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba Agriculture says seeding is nearly complete. This includes reseeding from frost, wind, and insect damage. Flea beetle spraying is ongoing as producers are closely monitoring insect pressure in combination with previous frost injuries. The province says crop growth and emergence is doing well despite challenging spring conditions. Recent storms damage crops and pastures in the municipalities of Stewartburn, Piney, and Emerson-Franklin. Yesterday, Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bibo said that the carbon tax associated with grain drying was not significant enough to warrant any specific action. Bill Campbell is president of Keystone Agricultural Producers.
1: It's frustrating after having gone through last year's harvest and to see the significant numbers that uh, some producers had submitted to us or told us about uh, their carbon tax alone on their grain drying expenses. We know that there is uh, yearly carbon tax expenses for livestock producers to heat their barns and their buildings that happen every year. It's a bit frustrating.
0: Campbell suggests the decision is a political position and not necessarily relevant to the cost to which producers are bearing. And good news for Canada's lentil growers. Greg Cherwick is president of Pulse Canada. The Indian Ministry of Finance announced
1: last week that India's import duty on lentils from all origins except the U.S. would be reduced from 30% to 10%. Uh, There's a 10% tax on duty, so the effective rate drops from 33% to 11%. Our understanding right now that that reduction applies to cargo cleared through Indian ports by August 31st,
0: 2020. Terawak notes tariffs also remain on chickpeas and yellow peas. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, June 10th. I'm Corey Knut. Coming up today, we'll hear from Keystone Agricultural Producer's President Bill Campbell. As we heard from the Federal Egg Minister yesterday, farmers won't be getting any relief for the carbon tax paid on grain drying. Marie-Claude Bibo said the overall costs were minimal and did not warrant any specific action. I got reaction from Bill Campbell. He's the president of Keystone Agricultural Producers.
1: It's frustrating uh, after having gone through last year's harvest and to see the significant numbers that uh, some producers had uh, submitted to us or told us about uh, their carbon tax alone. Uh, on their grain drying expenses. And we know that there is uh, yearly um, carbon tax expenses for livestock producers to heat their barns and their buildings um, that happen every year. Um, uh, so it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a bit frustrating uh, that uh, she has said that those are insignificant. We uh, had been requested to submit uh, some data. For them, and uh, along with APAS and Keystone Egg Producers, had compiled some information for the uh, federal government, and then uh, to uh, to have these results is very frustrating.
0: She had mentioned some numbers here this morning. You know, the costs ranging from about you know two <laughs> hundred and ten dollars to about eight eight nineteen, You know, would you agree with with that range? Oh, I would say that.
1: Some producers have had significantly higher costs than that. Um, You know, when you take, uh, when you utilize averages and you take uh, inclusion of uh, farmers who have not uh, utilized grain drying, like it would be in some areas and some crops not required as much uh, uh, and uh, maybe um, just the way the harvest went for them. But uh, when you see in the corn production and some of the later uh, harvested oil seeds and wheat, that there would be producers that would uh, face a lot higher numbers than what she's utilizing there. And, you know, maybe some didn't, but uh, also there was also probably, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, unprecedented unharvested acres in Manitoba last year. And uh, with uh, The ability to dry that crop. um, It was left out there over winter. Frustrating that the the federal government has taken this position uh, uh, with regards to this. I'm not completely in favor of the uh, transparency that they have utilized uh, to come to this conclusion. Uh, I would suggest that this is maybe a political position uh, on their on their part and uh... not necessarily uh, uh... relevant to the cost to which uh... producers are bearing in this uh... and i think that we need to uh... Be understanding of the cost competitiveness that uh... disadvantage that we have at this particular point in time uh, and these costs will only be increasing as time moves forward so uh... it's uh... Um, You know, it it would be, and we haven't seen clarity with regards to the provincial-federal relationship on the Manitoba Climate and Green Plan. Uh, We don't know what the status of that is at this point in time either. So, uh, still a lot of uncertainty with just uh,
0: producers paying more as we move forward. That was Bill Campbell, president of Keystone Agricultural Producers. Forages can be a challenge to establish, but now farmers and ranchers have access to a new tool to help ensure forage varieties are well-suited to their area. This week, Forage U-Pick, a new interactive forage species selection tool, was launched for use in Western Canada. Glenda-Lee Allen-Vosser caught up to Julie McKenzie, the Forage U-Pick project manager, to talk about the new program.
2: Forage U-Pick is an initiative that has been uh, on the go here for a year now, and it's been funded through the Beef Cattle Research Council, the Alberta Beef Forage and Grazing Center, and the Saskatchewan Forage Council here, along with the Government of British Columbia and Government of Saskatchewan through the Canada Agriculture Partnership there. And what ForageUP is is a new interactive forage selection tool for Western Canada, and it allows producers to go on a mobile device or their or their desktop and really look at forages that are suited to their farm and and really down actually to the field level.
0: Forages can be a tough thing to get established. They
2: really can be, and we know by matching forages to your field and your conditions and looking at what we've learned about forages over the last number of years, if a producer can increase your production and profitability even by... You know, 0.1 tons an acre, you're looking at like another 16 tons of forage produced a year. So, choosing the newest species that are adapted to your area, and, and we've learned a lot over the last 12 years since the Saskatchewan Forage Council had it launched its first tool on selection. We know things like green wheatgrass grow for a lot longer and, and can live for a lot longer than we originally thought because we've learned so much more about those species.
0: Now, when we're talking about this tool, it does more than just kind of help us select the right forage for the right field.
2: There's two other things that Forage you pick offers. One is forage weed management, which touches on some of the top weeds that there are in a, in a soil zone. And it touches on some control and gives you a little bit more resources to look at. But the other key thing in Forage you pick is the seeding rate calculator. So once the producer has decided what forages they might want to choose, you can go into the seeding rate calculator and based on your soil zone, that seeding rate calculator will help you come up with a good start of a mix as far as what percentage you should seed. And, and how much seed you really need to put into the ground to get a good establishment.
0: I've been talking with Julie McKenzie. Julie is the Forge U-Pick Project Manager. Once again, that, of course, is a new interactive forage species selection tool available to producers in Western Canada. For Golden West, I'm Lee allen Bossler. Thanks, Lee. That's it for the Prairie Egg Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by... Email the farm desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Egg Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held Tuesday evening starting at 7 o'clock. You can email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. The course is endorsed by the Province and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. CAP is partnering with the Province to host a webinar entitled Cultivating Your Way to Burnout. The webinar takes place tomorrow starting at 10 a.m. You can register on the CAP website. Keystone Ag Producers is also offering a webinar on provincial and federal HR programs for farmers. That'll take place June 16th at noon. You can register again on the CAP website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, joining us now is the province's Pulse specialist, Dennis Lang.
3: Pretty much caught up on all the soybeans right now. Uh, The acres have have gone in in this immediate area here. For the most part, uh, everything kind of went in as planned. Uh, maybe a little bit later than we've seen in previous years. But uh, uh, with the temperatures being cooler this spring, we're pretty much right on time with the weather. So
0: Now, as the uh, crops start to emerge, um, what are some things that farmers should be watching for?
3: Well, I guess some of the, the first things you should do within, uh, usually within the first three weeks, is you should just go and check and see what type of plants that plant plant you have available to you um, for a soybean crop you want to see roughly about 140 to 160,000 plants emerge. Um, keep in mind that, you know, with the crop just emerging now, you might go out now and do a stand count, and you might be, you know, 50,000 plants, uh, but there's a lot more coming. So I would just say be patient, let them come up, and see where you're at.
0: Anything else to highlight here today? I guess this is the biggest thing to really look at. If... Uh,
3: you need to really go out and examine your fields. If, you, if you're if you concerned that the, the w- recent winds that we've had has created any damage. Look at the seeds, uh, just make sure that, uh, or the plants, make sure that there is no damage to that uh, terminal bud, the main growing point. Um, and if there is, you know, the one thing with soybeans and dry beans is they have their auxiliary buds that will come into play and start to develop from there. So uh, do some plant stand counts, see where you're at, if you're in uh, soybeans, you're, you want to be between 140 to 160,000 plants. Uh, if you're in a 30-inch dry bean roll for, uh, for a pencil bean, uh, you want to be somewhere in that 68 to 70,000 plants on 30-inch roll. If you're in a solid-seeded situation on a pencil, you want to be more like around 80,000. And uh, those are just some of the things to kind of keep in mind.
0: That was Dennis Lang with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. As we heard from the federal ag minister yesterday, farmers won't be getting any relief for the carbon tax paid on grain drying. Marie-Claude Bibo said the overall costs were minimal and did not warrant any specific action. Bill Campbell is president of Keystone Agricultural Producers.
1: There would be producers that would uh, face a lot higher numbers than what she's utilizing there and you know, maybe some didn't, but uh, also there was also probably—I'm uh, not sure—but uh, unprecedented unharvested acres in Manitoba last year, and uh, without uh, the ability to dry that crop, um, it was left out there overwintered.
0: Campbell suggests the decision is a political position and not necessarily relevant to the cost to which producers are bearing. And India said it will reduce its import duty on Canadian lentils from 33% down to 11%. Greg Cherwick is president of Pulse Canada. I think
1: first thing, at at a high level, it says to us that this, this government will intervene when supplies tighten and domestic prices get too high. This is generally a move to increase the domestic supply of lentils to temper food inflation, food inflation, can impact the most vulnerable segments of any population. It's particularly relevant to India. So it's not something that would go unchecked very long under any conditions.
0: Cherwick notes lentils have been moving well into India, even with the higher tariff. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email. The Farm Desk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.